Welcome to Stories After Midnight. The story we will be reading today is called, For the last ten years, a serial killer has sent me a present every Christmas, by CIA Herpes from Reddit. I really hope you enjoy it, and a huge shout out to my patrons for helping make this video possible. Let's go. I looked down at the professionally wrapped box sitting on the wraparound porch. The wrapping paper was red with little Christmas trees all over it. A large blue bow sat on the top, shaped like a spiked navel mine. Next to the bow, I saw the cheery, looping cursive of my stalker. I knelt down reading the tag, never knowing what it would say. To my best friend, from the cleaner. I sighed, picking up the package. I heard something wet sloshing around inside. Drops of blood started leaking out of the cardboard lining as I carried it. It left a trail of crimson in my wake. I went to the kitchen, grabbing a sharp knife. Inhaling deeply, I unwrapped the paper before slitting open the cardboard box underneath. I peered inside. Two cloudy, lifeless eyes stared back at me. The smell of decay and death became so thick as soon as I opened the box that I could taste it in the back of my mouth. I backed away quickly, but even when I closed my eyes, the mental image stayed with me. He had sent the decapitated head of a child, its blue lips pressed tightly together as if in an expression of disapproval. Squirming larvae ate at the stump of his neck and came out of the child's ears. Next to the head I saw a DVD case. On the front cover in huge, spiky letters were the words, Watch me. I sat in front of the TV, the DVD spinning rapidly in the player. The black screen rippled with static. A jarring cacophony emanated from the speakers, and then a second later, a face appeared. The Valley Ripper always wore the costume of a Baphomet in these videos. He had on a black robe. On his face, he wore a mask that made him look like a goat. Two giant black horns twisted from his head. The eyes of the mask looked bleached white and dead. I have sent you a present, he said, using a synthesizer to change his voice. It came through as a deep and demonic. Our game is not yet over. Do you know why I have chosen you? Because you're a friggin' psychopath, I whispered to myself. Because you have potential. I saw it in you in the first day we met. You're not like the others. Within you, you have the seeds of the Overman. You have the seeds of greatness. For the last ten years, I have tried to push you towards self-realization. You have the same power within you that I do, but I did not realize it on my own. My father took what was a formless lump of clay and molded it into a masterpiece. I see now that I will have to do the same with you. Oh god, I moaned. Ah, oh, man. I felt nervous about the ominous promises he made on the video. Moreover, I mourned the loss of life. But, most of all, I knew these deaths were all my fault because, in reality, I could have helped stop the Valley Ripper at any time. But I didn't. I reflected back on how I had gotten myself stuck in this quagmire. The first time I met the Valley Ripper, I had been roaring drunk. I drank constantly back then. Every night I would pass out. Undoubtedly I was an alcoholic. I stopped drinking a few years ago, but not before the poison did inestimable damage to my life and liver. If it weren't for rehab and AA, I strongly believe I would be dead. I remember driving home from some concert. I can't even remember the band now. A friend from work had invited me and I never missed an opportunity to drink socially. 
I never missed an opportunity to drink, period, now that I think about it. My friend Ellis pounded me on the shoulder as I downed my second shot of imported Russian vodka. Puts hair on your chest, he yelled, trying to be heard over the jarring music. He started laughing, the bright multicolored lights flashing off his glasses. I motioned to his shot. You next, I said. He took it down without expression, slamming the empty shot glass on the wooden counter. Ellis was a huge man, nearly seven feet tall. He had a dark brown mustache. Matching wavy hair ran down over his forehead. Thick muscles covered his arms and legs. His skin looked as white and pale as powdered milk. The bartender brought out two Long Island iced teas. I started chugging the delicious, boozy concoction. I could feel total release just around the corner, an impending blackout. The music blared in our ears, the metal guitar solos blasting a rapid succession of chords. I think I'm going to get headed out, I shouted loudly in Ellis's ear after I finished my drink. If I stay here much longer, I'll be way too drunk to get home and I have to work tomorrow. Ellis nodded, yawning. He got up and threw some money on the counter. I did the same. All right, let's go, he said. It's only ten minute drive away. Ellis lived close, only about a three minute walk from my house. As I walked outside, the cool air swept over my skin. I felt the sweat start to evaporate like light mist in a breeze. So, you watched the news lately? Ellis asked conversationally. My ears still rang from the shrill whine of the guitars and the harsh shrieking of the vocalist. I shook my head. I don't own a TV, I said. He looked at me in amazement. Really? He said. Why not? I shrugged. It's a waste of time and it makes you stupid. I read books mostly. Ellis nodded at this. So you didn't hear the latest news? He asked in a hushed, secretive tone. Without waiting for an answer, he kept talking. I guess there's a serial killer nearby. I rolled my eyes. There's probably always a serial killer nearby, I said. There's over 300 million people in this country. What are the chances that there are no psychotic murderers in a 50-mile radius where hundreds of thousands of people live? Pretty low, I think. We had gotten close to my car, a fully restored Ford Thunderbird. Ellis always complained about the lack of space and legroom, and in his defense, he did kind of look like a clown in a clown car when I put the top down. Yeah, you're probably right, but this is no ordinary serial killer, Ellis continued. He's a real-life Satanist, like something out of a horror movie. How do you know? I asked. He laughed sardonically at that. Everyone knows. It's all over the news. He's done three houses so far. At the first house, he found the husband in his bed. The guy saw him breaking in and the killer slit his throat. The husband still fought like a madman, though, even with a slit throat. There were signs of a struggle and his knuckles all looked bruised. This is according to the media anyway, so take it with a grain of salt. I nodded. So the guy goes into his house and takes all their most valuable stuff, like any money or jewelry. He seems to kill randomly. In some houses, he kills everyone. But at the first house, he let the wife live and only killed the husband and children. The wife said that she was crying and pleading with him, and she apparently didn't know that the rest of her family was dead, as he had bound and blindfolded her downstairs, where she was sleeping in front of the TV. She said she would give him anything he wanted if he didn't hurt her kids. She started swearing to God, and he slapped her. No, bitch, he growled. Swear to Satan. Swear to Satan, I asked, appalled. Ellis nodded grimly. Yeah, apparently the guy is a real-life Satanist. He believes Satan protects him. He worships the devil and offers him sacrifices, 
And since those sacrifices are all suburban rich people, you can imagine the uproar. It would be different if he was killing people in the inner city. No one would give a damn. Ellis laughed at that, though I didn't see the humor. I drove down the dark country roads as we talked about the Valley Ripper. The booze made my head feel light and empty. All my problems seemed to have dissolved and I was just happy to be alive. Until the woman started walking in front of my car. I was trying to light a cigarette at the time. If I hadn't drunk so much, I might have been able to save the situation. But by the time I looked up, a collision had become inevitable. Hey, look out! Ellis screamed in panic. Looking up from his phone at the last possible second, I braced for impact. The woman's body smashed into my front passenger's side headlight. I heard a tinkling of breaking plastic and glass accompanied by a revolting cracking sound as the woman's bones shattered. Her body rolled, spinning in midair and denting my hood. Then she hit the windshield, leaving jagged cracks like lightning bolts. She flew over the car and landed with a nauseating thud on the cold, empty street behind us. I pulled over, putting on the hazard lights. Ellis looked like he was in shock. Is she... is she dead? He asked, gulping heavily. I opened the driver's side door and vomited on the pavement before stumbling out of the car. My heart was beating so fast I thought it would explode, and I had a whining, ringing sound in my ears. I started walking back to the woman. Yes, she was very dead. I could see her neck jutting to the side at a 45 degree angle, like a bird with its spine broken. A long, gasping exhalation escaped her bloody, open lips, and then she lay silent. She looked like she was in her early 20s, with long black hair and blue eyes. She had on all sorts of rings and necklaces, many of them with occult symbols. I saw upside-down pentagrams, the Ouroboros, the black sun, and the OM symbol. A rather esoteric collection, I thought to myself. Oh no, I whispered to myself, suddenly feeling very sober. A thousand thoughts ran through my head a second, and all of them seemed worthless. Ellis stood by my side, one hand on my shoulder. He tried giving comfort, but I only felt disassociated and scared. You have to report this, Ellis said, trying to be comforting. A moment later, his head disintegrated before my eyes. I heard a deafening gunshot. The stump of his neck continued to pump blood for a few seconds before his body fell, his hands sliding down my back as he went. I started screaming, trying to run, but I hadn't gotten more than 10 feet when a hand grabbed me by the arm and spun me around. I saw a man standing there in a black robe with a goat mask over his head. He had a sniper rifle slung around his shoulder and a pistol in his right hand. He tilted his head slightly, like someone curious about a new arrival. Do you know who I am? He asked in a deep, almost robotic voice. He had no inflection to his words or change in cadence. It gave his voice a reptilian quality. The, 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 the Valley Reaper? I said, feeling very cold. Goosebumps began rising all over my skin, and I started shaking, my hands trembling. He nodded slowly. That's what the media calls me, so I hear. It's as good a name as any. He knelt close to me. I've been watching you, John. You scam your own co-workers, family, and friends. Stealing their money and leaving town. How many times have you done it? How long until you got him too? He pointed at Ellis's nearly headless corpse. I gaped at the man. How did he know so much about me? Don't get me wrong. I admire what you do, the serial killer continued. 
There is no such thing as right and wrong. The only right in this world is what serves the strong. The only wrong is weakness. You have exploited the weakness of others. This is only natural for superior beings like you and me. I'm nothing like you, I said spitting the words at him. He didn't seem the slightest bit affected. Then why haven't you called the police yet? He asked. You just killed a girl. You're just going to let her rot here? Are you planning on driving away? No, I responded slowly. Actually, I didn't know what I had planned. A rising sense of panic and dread had nearly convinced me to just hop in my car and get far away from the accident. Look, it's not entirely your fault, the man said, a note of glee in his voice. I did happen to drug her and send her out into the road when you were near. I figured with the amount you drank, you would plow right into her. Crack and smash and bang. He shrieked with laughter at the image. And you did. Right on cue, brother. Right on cue. I'm not sure what you want with me, I said, a flash of anger rising and dissipating within my chest in an instant. I don't understand why you're doing any of this. Because you have potential, and I want to talk to you and make a deal. He pointed at the two corpses on the road. I was grateful that almost no cars traveled this way at night. The town we found ourselves in only had a hundred people in it, and when it got late, the roads looked like ghost towns. I'll clean up this mess, but no, I have the entire thing on video. Even right now, you're being recorded. I recorded the accident from multiple angles. You and your license plate are visible in every single one. I gawked at the man. This entire encounter seemed impossible. What I want from you in exchange for my silence and help is simply this. I want someone who can look at my work and appreciate it for what it is. Every Christmas I will send you a present and a videotape. I want you to open the present and watch the tape. If you don't, I'll know, and I'll send a copy of this little incident here to the police. Okay, okay, I said, backing away. I expected the man to shoot me at any moment. Whatever you want, if you want to send me Christmas presents, you could have just asked. You didn't need to set up this whole insane charade. The man clucked his tongue condescendingly. We'll see about that, he said ominously. I decided I had had enough. I changed my life over the course of the last ten years. I no longer went around doing Ponzi schemes and stealing people's life savings. Though I really didn't want to go to prison. I figured I needed help from the authorities at this point and that would only happen if I gave a full confession. I tried putting it off for a couple more days. I got home from work late that night, stomping through the snow to get to the front door. Freezing and wet, I quickly unlocked it and went into the house. The light from the living room streamed into the kitchen. Odd, I thought. I never left the lights on. I went into the living room, seeing the black-robed man standing there. In front of him I saw a middle-aged man strapped to a fold-out table, gagged and chained. His eyes rolled wildly looking from me to the ominous killer who stood before us like the angel of death. You have become weak, the killer said, a note of disappointment in his voice. I thought you were different from the others. It seems to me that you have swallowed their poisoned morality and become a sheep. And the only thing sheep are good for, my friend, is slaughtering. He pointed to the bound man on the table. I want you to kill him. 
I want you to prove your worth to myself and Lucifer. Give thanks to Satan and cut his throat. No, I screamed. I'm done with this game. The killer shook his head slowly. Are you sure? He asked. I nodded, suddenly feeling very afraid. I began to take a step back, intending to turn around and run. The killer pointed a gun at me and fired. It made a soft popping sound. I looked down to see a dart in my chest. Don't worry, he said, a note of mirth in his voice. It's just a tranquilizer gun. I'm sorry that we have to do this the hard way. He took the sharp knife from the table next to the man, raising it high and plunging it into the victim's throat. The man's eyes widened. A bubbling, gurgling sound started as he choked on his own fluids. The world began to spin and go black. I remember falling on the kitchen floor, trying to crawl away, and then nothing. I awoke in prison, surrounded by countless guards and police officers. They all gave me looks of disgust and hatred. We've got him, one said. We finally caught the Valley Ripper. We found all the knives, guns, and rope used in his house, and even the body of one of his victims. They had also found videotapes, including the one of me hitting the woman. They had found the black robes and mask he used. No one believed me when I protested and tried telling the story. I barely believed it. It's too fantastic, too bizarre. I'm writing this from prison. My lawyer grudgingly agreed to share it, even though no one will believe me. I want to let people know. Because the Valley Ripper is still free, and I don't know what he's going to do next. That's it. I hope you liked this little story. If you did, and you're on YouTube, well, I'd love it if you liked the video and maybe leave a comment with your thoughts, letting me know what you thought about it. If you're anywhere else, I don't know what your options are, but in the end, at a baseline, at a minimum, I just appreciate you listening. A huge shout out to my patrons for uh, helping make this episode possible. If you'd like to support the channel in that way, you can. Links will be down in the description if you like that juicy, juicy, early access. It is there for the taking. So I really appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening. And uh, I guess with all that said, we'll see you in the next one.